Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. So I think one of the things that comes to mind in terms of stretching uh, for faith is the different aspects of life. So it's like even though life is this seamless thing that happens every day, there are like different categories, right? Like there's sleep and then there's work and there's eating or nutrition. And uh, you have all these blocks that sort of like kind of you develop habits around and whatever. And then you, you have established thoughts around those things. And I think a real stretch for faith is the thought that like, if all of life is comes from God and is through God, this gift that we have, this life, then all of these parts are equally part of this miracle of life. Money has always been a very analytical part of my brain. I don't, for years, didn't function well in considering that you know, that givings necessarily mattered when it came to the budget. I would say that with my analytical mind, um, that decision was also, you know, the decision to start giving was also very analytical. It became a conversation that started, you know, in our marriage and with each other that wasn't necessarily, you know, Caleb pushing me or me saying no all the time. It was just like a slow tap. Like, this is really something we should be doing. This is something that you know, matters to our hearts, it matters to our relationship and how, you know, how we are with God. Like I'm a son of God, Sarah's a daughter of God. Coming to, like letting that really come to a point where you're like, is a massive shift. And by faith, believing that, I think changes the narrative in your life. And I think it really moves it from like an inward facing, like, of me experiencing life to this shift where it's like I'm created like my creator to be a blessing to that being a dad isn't just another thing on the list it's as God our heavenly father has created us in his image then we as parents are able to then give of ourselves to our children and so I think generosity to me Once, when that shifts, or as we learn to shift and live and walk in that faith or that identity by faith, I think in that sense, it's like game on. When we look at life and and the challenges, I laugh at that, but we really have seen some very dark days. Um, Look at where we are now in comparison to where we've been. There's no other explanation. Um, It's grace. Wasn't that good? That was awesome. In fact, I, when I did the film shoot with Caleb and Sarah, uh, we were just talking and they were, you know, they were sharing on camera. And they, we actually have about 30 minutes of footage. So I actually considered just rolling their video and stepping aside. It was so good. Uh, just as they talked about how they're processing generosity and how God's been leading them. It's amazing. Well, welcome everybody. My name is Nathan and I get the privilege of serving here as the lead pastor. And I'm so excited about this. We're, in the, we're actually in week three of a four-week message series called Stretch. We have a tent theme, as you can see behind me. And uh, we're talking about what it means to stretch our faith and to stretch our giving. 
And this four-week series is kind of leading us into a two-year giving initiative uh, where the people of our church will be committing to give, perhaps at a new level. And we want to do this so we can raise the level of generosity in our church. I believe that's something God wants for us. But also so we can set aside money and resources to pursue a more permanent space in the future. Uh, As our church continues to grow and the needs of our church and the programs, um, we need space that we can call home uh, through the week for all the different things that we're doing. And so we're trying to, to prepare in advance uh, for what we believe that God is leading us towards. Uh, The theme verse uh, where we get this tent theme and the theme verse for this uh, message series and initiative called Stretch is actually found in Isaiah 54. And I want to read those uh, words to you now. Uh, God speaks to the nation of Israel. They're currently displaced, okay? They're outside of of where they would normally be, their home. And God says, I want you to prepare now for what I'm about to do. And here's how he says it. He says, enlarge... Or make bigger the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Notice God doesn't say get new curtains. He doesn't say get a bigger tent. Move into your parents' tent. It's a great way to save money, by the way, but please don't. Um, Stretch it out, okay? Stretch out what you have. And here's why. He tells them why. Not stretching so you can have more square footage or you can have more for you. But rather, he says, I want you to stretch for someone. And we talked about this last week, how when we stretch our faith and our giving, hopefully we're not just doing it because we're guilty. We're doing it because God is leading us to do it for someone else's benefit. He says, for you will spread out to the right and the left. Your descendants, your children, your grandchildren, those who come after you, will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. I'm going to establish you as you stretch towards what I am doing. And so that's our, our theme verse. I said last week that stretching is basically this idea of reaching or extending beyond your normal limits. Last week I had everyone stand up and put their arm right up in the air and stretch as far as they could and people's heads were shaking as they were really trying to reach, reach, reach. And when we reach beyond our normal limits, it's called a stretch. And stretching isn't always comfortable. In fact, sometimes when I'm at home, I'll sit down on the carpet in our house and I'll do old man stretches. What makes them old man stretches is I'm not stretching very far and I usually groan and grunt, you know, because honestly, stretching sometimes is just not that comfortable right? And of course, I'll be sitting on the floor going, oh, and my eight-year-old daughter, Nora, will walk in the room and be like, really? Want to see what I can do? And so I just, I just thought I would ask her to come up on the stage and show you uh, how she puts me to shame. So why don't you come up here, Nora? Everyone, welcome, Nora. All right, wave at everybody. So, you know, Nora, I'll be sitting there trying to, you know, touch my toes, and Nora will say, hey, dad, can you do this? Yeah, and like it's nothing, right? And then she'll, and then she'll go even further. What else you got there? Okay. <laughs> now, have you noticed, have you noticed, you can just stay here for just a second. Have you noticed that children are just born more flexible? Like, I, I remember our first child, it was like the, the child falls over and like twists the shoulder back. And if, if I did that, I'd be in the hospital, but it's like, oh, wow, it's, it's fine. Like, so, so flexible. And what happens as we get older, so we get less flexible. We get stiff. We get uh, brittle, right? And, and so unless we're willing to continue to stretch, we will lose that flexibility. Thank you, Nora. Everyone give her a round of applause. That was wonderful. <laughs> you know, I think, it's, I think it's the same with faith. I think it's the same with faith. That uh, children are just seem, I don't know what it is about kids, but kids find faith so natural. They trust their parents. They trust God. They just have this beautiful faith and trust. In fact, one day... Uh, 
children were coming to Jesus. And the disciples are like, no, 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 they're kids. And he says, let them come. He says, in fact, if you don't become like them, you can't even inherit the kingdom of God. Kids have this amazing faith. When I was 10 years old, I went on my first flight, and we were flying to California. We were going for a mission trip in Mexico. And I remember being on the plane, pushing buttons and trying to get the TV to work and asking for sodas. And I was just, this was just an amazing experience. And then uh, a decade later, uh, in my early 20s, I get on a plane, and I'm looking around going, these people are really big. There's a lot of luggage. How in the world is this thing actually going to take off? And I started doing the math and the science, and all the facts started overwhelming me. I'm going, I don't know if we're going to make it. It's so much easier when we're young to have faith and trust and flexibility. And yet I believe that God is calling us um, to faith. He's calling us to stretch. In fact, uh, the way God seems to work is he always sort of asks us or leads us beyond our capacity. He says, I want you to do something. And we say, well, I can't. I don't have the resources. I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability. And he's like, yeah, well, I just want you to take a step anyway. And we go, Ugh. And it's a stretch. And we have to trust God. Because here's the thing. If we could do it on our own, we would do it on our own. And it's not until God asks us to do something that we can't do on our own that we begin to stretch our faith in seeking uh, to honor him and obey him. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think would happen... If right now I went down into the full splits and did exactly what my daughter Nora just did. Any ideas? Yeah, I would tear something. Yes, you'd have to get a new pastor. <laughs> Why are you smiling about that? Uh, I mean, if I tried to do that, see, because I don't have that kind of flexibility. Now, the truth is, if I wanted to do that, it's not high on my priority list, to be honest with you. But if I wanted to do the splits, I could, I could do so if I continued to stretch. Because every time we stretch, it increases our capacity, correct? So, so when we stretch, and this applies to everything in life, when you extend love, and it's hard to love that person, but you stretch to love them, guess what happens? Every time you stretch, your ability and capacity for love continues to increase. That's true of faith. For some of you in this room, you trusted God for the first time two decades ago. And it was a big deal then. And now that very same thing is no problem for you because God is stretching you to new heights. And so the way that we, that we bridge this gap, did you know there's always a gap? There's a gap between where I am now and where God wants me to be. There's always a gap. Like when I think about the kind of husband God calls me to be, uh, the New Testament scriptures say that I'm to love my wife as Christ loves the church. And I'll tell you, I fall short of it every day. So God says, here's how I want you to love your wife. Here's the kind of husband. And here's where I currently am, watching hockey or something. All right? So, so there's this gap between where God's calling to be and where I am. It's the same thing as a father. And as Christians, uh, for those of you in this place that are following Jesus, I mean, when you began following Jesus, uh, it was like you were a new baby. Your faith is new. And here's the thing. I don't know if you've noticed this, but when someone is born, they're not born fully formed. Right? I mean, all the parts are there, but they're, they're miniature, and they have to grow. And a child grows by taking steps, day by day, growing, stretching in their abilities, and everything else. And so I want to, uh, I'm just going to have to get help here. I'm going to bring up a table. Would you mind giving me a hand? We're just going to carry this table up on the stage, and I'm going to use this as an illustration to show you how God is calling us to grow and how he'll work in our lives. So let's try this out. All right. How's that look? We good? All right, so what I have in front of me are some steps. 
some steps. Because here's how I believe God will call us to stretch. Here's how God will have us close the gap between where we currently are and where he wants us to be. And sometimes that's a massive gap. You know, in the New Testament, it tells us that we, if we're following Jesus, are to grow into the image and likeness of Jesus himself. That's a high bar. Honestly, we'll, we'll never attain it in this side of heaven. But maybe you're here and God is saying, I want you to love like Jesus. I want you to serve like Jesus. I want to give of yourself like Jesus. I want you to care like Jesus. And you're like, but I, I'm here. And God wants us to progress day by day, week by week, month by month, growing into his image and likeness. And it doesn't happen in a moment. It happens step by step by step as we progress in our faith. I have a box of goodies. Progress. Step by step by step. We stretch incrementally. If I wanted to do the splits, as I said, I would have to stretch over and over again, making a little bit of progress day by day by day by day, increasing my capacity. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about stretching incrementally. I want to talk about closing the gap between where you currently are and where God wants you to be. I want to show you how this works. Last week, we were in Exodus chapter 3, and we learned about how God shows up to Moses. The nation of Israel is in bondage. They're in slavery in Egypt, and God calls a man by the name of Moses and says, Moses, I'm about to do something. If you were here last week, you know what I'm, where I'm going with this. Moses, I'm about to do something. I've come down to save my people, step one. Step two, I'm going to lead them to a good land. Moses excited. God's about to do it. And then in the next verse, God says, guess what, Moses? I'm sending you. Moses says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I thought you said you were going to do it. God says, I am going to do it. But you're sending me. He says, yeah, I'm going to do it through you. This is how God works. He answers our prayers, oftentimes through us. So be careful what you pray for. Because when you say, God, would you, would you help me to have a better marriage? He says, that's perfect. I'm going to do it through you. I'm going to change your heart. God, I want, to be a, I want to be a better leader. He says, no problem. I'm going to do it through you. I'm going to have you humble yourself and serve your team. You go, but that's uncomfortable. He says, I know, but I'm going to do it through you. It's how God works. And also, he works through what we already have in our hand. Moses says, I don't have the tools. God says to Moses, what's in your hand? Oh, this shepherd's staff. That'll do. Moses goes to the pharaoh of Egypt, who has walled cities, armies, chariots, with a stick. Think about it. And he says, God says, let my people go. And it basically starts by the Egyptians laughing at Moses. But after God shows himself faithful through Moses, through the stick, eventually Moses leads the people out of Egypt. They did not lift a finger. God did it all through Moses. In fact, they get to the Red Sea. The Egyptian army is chasing them down. They fear for their life. And what does God tell Moses to do? He says, remember that stick I gave you? Stretch it out over the water. He stretches it out. He parts the water. They get out of that danger. And so the nation of Israel leaves Egypt. They get to Mount Sinai where God gives them the law, makes a covenant with them. And now we're on to step two. Step one, God says, I'm going to free them from slavery. Step two, I'm going to give them a land. And so now you have this nation of people. They march right to the border. They're standing right here at the border of the promised land. And they're about to go in to the land. And that's where I want to pick up the story. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. We'll put it up on the screen. 
the Lord speaks to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan. Notice these words which I am giving to the people of Israel. They must have been excited. God's going to give us the land. Yay, they're all just going to leave their homes, leave their walled cities. They're all just going to disappear and we're going to walk in and inherit it all. Nope. And just like Moses, when God says, I'm about to free my people, yeah! He's like, actually, I'm sending you to do it. He says to the people, I'm giving you this land. And guess how God's going to do that? A couple tentative through yous. That's exactly how he's going to do it. The first part of the plan, he did it all for them. This next part of the plan, now they're going to grow in their faith. God is going to call them to do it, and he's going to do it through them. Here's the next verse. It says, from each tribe of their fathers, you will send a man, everyone a chief among them. He says, you're going to choose a leader, a representative from each of the 12 tribes to go in and spy out the land. The thing that I wanted to note here is that leaders go first. Leaders go first. This is a principle. Now, some people think that leaders are people who have power. Sometimes we think that leaders are people with authority who make all the decisions. Leaders are people who tell other people what to do. But in fact, the actual definition of a leader is someone who goes first. The first person to show up and serve is the leader. The first person to give is a leader. The first person, and this is the one I hate, to ask for forgiveness is the leader. Sometimes when I'm having a disagreement with one of my teenagers and, and there's this heated argument going on and then I'll walk away and I'm like, you need to obey me, I'm the dad. My wife will gently pull me aside and be like, honey, you're the leader of our home. I'm like, yes, I know, they should be obeying me. And she's like, you need to apologize, you need to go first. <laughs> not cool, not fun, totally true. Leaders go first, leaders always go first. And so he's sending these leaders into the land to spy it out. And check this out in verse 17. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the Negev, go up into the hill country, and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor. And whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Literally what's going on here is Moses is sending leaders ahead to gather the facts. This is a reconnaissance mission. Go in, scout it out, find out, do they have big walled cities or little camps? Do they have armies or do they have just, you know... Uh, random guys with swords. Like, what, what, how are they organized? How are they structured? Uh, go in and figure out and gather and glean all of the facts. Now, I thought this was interesting because when I was growing up, I was kind of taught, this was popular when I was a kid, that faith is blind. That, like, faith and facts are opposite. It's like, that to truly have faith, you have to ignore the facts. And I don't believe that's true. One bit. People would literally say, because remember there's this gap. God says, I want you to be blessed, but you're having a hard time financially. can't pay your bills. And somebody say, you know what? I'm really struggling financially. Don't say that. Don't say that. You're wealthy and you're blessed. No, actually, they're going to they're gonna take my car, right? I was like, no, 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 but you're here. And faith isn't ignoring the facts, okay? It's not ignoring the facts. Faith is not saying, I'm healthy when you're sick. You could say you're sick. That's true. That's the facts. But God wants you healthy, okay? So there's the discrepancy, the gap, okay? You can say, my marriage is perfect, but literally it's not. 
And everyone in your home knows it, right? There's this massive gap. And so when I was a kid, it was like faith was being taught that faith is the ideal, ignore the reality. And I don't, I don't think that's the way it actually is. People would say, you know, um, you can't write a check that God can't cash. That was one. Those are my favorites. And that's true. God can cash any check. But there's a lot of banks that can't cash the check that you're writing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, so there's the reality, and faith isn't ignoring the reality. Faith is actually realizing the facts, realizing where God wants you to be, seeing the gap, and being willing to trust God and take a step towards what he wants for you. That's true faith. Faith isn't pretending you're not here. Faith is taking a step towards where God wants you to be. That is entirely different. And so true faith doesn't ignore facts. It takes steps forward towards God's ideal, towards what he has promised in spite of what you see in front of you. Here's what it says in verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. They came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Now, they actually brought grapes, but all I could find was an apple this morning. So there's the fruit of the land. They're like, it's amazing. We read on. They brought back word, the fruit of the land, and they told him, we came to the land that you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Literally, these spies come back and report to Moses and all the people. They say, it's everything God said it would be. God said he was taking us to a good land. Let me tell you, it's good. Here's some of the, the fruit. We can tell you what we saw. It's a good land. It, it, is, it is a wonderful place. It is the ideal situation for us. There it is. And the people of the nation of Israel must have been extremely excited. Yes, we're going to have our own homes. We're going to be able to plant vineyards. And our kids will be able to play safely. We'll be able to harvest our crops and celebrate together. This is going to be wonderful. God is giving us the land. And then the spies continue their report. And they say this in verse 28, however, everybody say however. however. All right, there's always a however. Whenever God says, I want you to have this, there's going to be something standing in the way. Here's what it says. The people who dwell in the land are strong. Got some Lego soldiers here. This one has a gun, this one has a knife. You know, essentially these spies are like, there's a bunch of people there that aren't going to agree with the fact that God is giving you this land. Like, they're going to resist. They have armies. That's a problem. That's an obstacle. They continue. There's more obstacles. The cities are fortified. All right? High walls, archers, gates, bars. This is not going to be a cakewalk. We're, gonna, like, we're not just coming into to camps here. There's the walled cities that we're going to have to siege. And if that wasn't enough, they conclude by saying, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, for those of you that don't know, in the Old Testament, the descendants of Anak are giants. <laughs> All right? Okay. We know, Moses, that God wants to take us to the promised land. We, he said he's giving us the land. The problem is there are all of these obstacles standing in the way. Can I tell you, anything that God calls you to do, there are going to be obstacles. Otherwise, it wouldn't require faith to get there. Anything worth having, there'll be obstacles. 
You know, I do marriage counseling with couples that are getting married, and I try to explain to them that, that there is this beautiful thing called a godly marriage that you can enjoy. But there are a lot of obstacles standing in the way of that. Most of them are in you, right? There are all of these things. And, and if you want to enjoy that kind of marriage, there are some things that are going to have to, there's some obstacles that are going to have to be remo- removed. <laughs> like selfishness, and pride, and my own agenda, and all of these things, right? So there are these obstacles from where you are to where God wants you to be. Now, unfortunately, what happens in this story, if you've read the story before, is that the nation of Israel, they hear the report, they go, this is great, but the obstacles that stand between us and what God promises, they're too big. We can't make it. We can never overcome these things. And so they've got two options. One of them is to step forward in faith, trusting that God will take care of of one battle at a time and move forward in faith or to shrink back in fear and say, it's too much. Unfortunately, they choose option B. And they turn around and they head back into the wilderness for the next, I think, 40 years. And that entire generation of people that were supposed to have this die in the wilderness and it is their children under Joshua's leadership that eventually go into the land. And guess what? When they go into the land, all the obstacles are still there. Which makes me think that sometimes the kids have to conquer obstacles that the parents weren't willing to. There's a whole sermon right there. We could just stop. If for no other reason, every time you take a step, when you grow in your faith, when you grow in love, when you grow in patience and generosity, you're actually paving the way for the next generation too. And I've said this so many times before that uh, my parents, while not perfect, they fought a lot of battles. They took down some giants And as kids, we were just kind of being toted behind them. But it built in me a faith to go, wow, God can do amazing things when we take steps of faith. And so uh, my parents have, have in many ways cleared the way for me and helped me to get where I am. And here's the point. If that's not your story, you and I have the opportunity to pave the way to fight some of those battles so our children and grandchildren don't have to fight them as well. All right? And so we take a step by step in faith. See, it was supposed to be a process. God wanted them to fight one battle at a time. Instead, they looked at the whole thing and they said, the gap is too big. We can't get from here to there. And so instead, they backed away. Now, this is true in every area of our life. Let's just use uh, health for an example. If you are out of shape, you're not uh, very healthy, and you decide you're going to run a marathon, that's this. Highest level of physical fitness, marathon you got to start here. Because if you try to run a marathon and you're out of shape, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to make it to the one mile mark and you're going to be like, I got a cramp. And you're going to be laying on the sidewalk and the paramedics will have to come and all of that fun stuff. So if you truly want to run a marathon, there's this massive gap between your current health and cardiovascular fitness and where God wants to have you or where you want to, your goal. And so here's what you have to do. You have to take a step. Start going for walks. Probably a good place to start. Clean up your diet. Start running 2K a day, 5K a day, 10K a day, right? It's this idea of stretching incrementally. This is how you progress. This is how you increase your capacity. This is true in every area of our life. It's true in the area of our faith. When you become a follower of Jesus, when, when we, talked, we sang this morning about being sons and daughters of God. Well, just like the nation of Israel, God does all the work to save us. 
and bring us into his family. You don't lift a finger. None of us were born into this world and can claim any part of that. (laughs) Oh yeah, I did it. No, your mom did it. Right? You can't claim any action at all. It's like, someone did it for me and now I'm in the world. God saves people. We don't save ourselves. He brings us into his family. But once we're in his family, we've got to grow. We've got to develop. And you don't come into, the, the, into Christ fully formed. You come in and you have to take steps of faith. God is asking me to trust him. He's asking me to serve. He's asking me to give. He's asking me to forgive. And as we take steps of faith, incrementally, our faith grows. We begin to close the gap between where we currently are and where God wants us to be. This is also true in the area of generosity. All right, since we're talking about a financial campaign and we have to raise money as a church for the future, um, generosity is is the same way. I, I talk to people sometimes and they say, you know, I just dream of the day. When I can live on half of my income and give 50% of it away to all these things that, that my heart is leading me towards. And I'm like, that's amazing. What percentage of your income do you give right now? Oh, nothing. But one day, when, when this lotto 649 comes through, I'm going to give half of it away. And it's like, you're saying you want to be here, but you're, you're not even on the board yet. The way that somebody gets from there to there is incrementally stretching in the area of generosity. That's the way it works. You don't just start giving massive amounts of money away. It usually is a process where you, where you fight these little battles and you remove obstacles in your heart and, and you create a plan for giving and you begin to take steps and moving up the ladder incrementally in your giving. And so what I want to do is just talk about the steps. You probably can't see the words that are on these steps at the back. Uh, But this first step is called an initial giver. An initial giver. This is somebody who gives for the first time. The next step is the occasional giver. Then we have the, I can't see it, the intentional giver, the sacrificial giver, and the generational giver. And you can see that this is progressing in a direction. I would also argue that this progression, as you move this way, selfishness goes the other way. People who are, who are moving in this direction are dying to themselves and living for God and for others. This, this is the, so there's heart work that's involved. You don't just give stuff away. Every time you give stuff away, it's connected to your heart. So there's heart work that goes along with this process. So we want to move across this process. I believe that God wants us to be here, all of us. But we all find ourselves somewhere on this spectrum. Let me just quickly go over each of these. Uh, the first one is the initial giver. And this is somebody, really simply, who gives for the first time. Right? Maybe, maybe you've never given anything away. I don't know how it's possible because usually parents make you give stuff away. But maybe you've never given. You're like, this is my stuff. Why, I worked hard for this. Why would I give this to somebody else? That doesn't make sense. Never experienced the joy of giving. And the initial giver is somebody who gives for the first time. The question that initial giver is probably asking inside is, should I give something? Should I? Not, I should, what can I, it's, should I give something? And that's a question that you need to answer in order to take the step to the next step, which is the occasional giver. Now, an occasional giver is somebody who gives on occasion, right? It's somebody who gives once in a while. The occasional giver is typically asking the question, can I give something today? The occasional giver is usually, it's, it's often very emotionally driven, right? It's like, okay, all my bills are paid and there's extra 
I think I'll give that to God or to some good purpose. Yeah, I got some extra. I'm going to give that. Or, or maybe they see a commercial and there's little kids and there's flies in their eyes and your heart is moved. I will remember you. And it's like, oh, I got to do something. So it's, your heart is stirred and moved and you give something. And none of that's bad. It's not bad to have compassion and to do something about it. There's just a higher level of giving. And that here is the consistent and intentional giver. Someone who makes giving a priority. This is a little bit of a different conversation. See, an intentional giver is somebody who asks this question, how can I make giving a priority? When you get to this stage, this person, if this is you, you're asking the question of how do I determine what I'm going to give and set it aside, whether it's an amount, a percentage, and you're like, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to make the rest fit. That's an intentional giver. And that's, a, that's different than these two. It's a higher level. The higher you go, the better the view, by the way. All right? So this person is asking the question, how can I make giving a priority? Uh, the next rung up this, this ladder, up these stairs, is the sacrificial giver. And this is taking that intentional giving to a whole other level. This is someone who's willing to give up something substantial to be more generous. The person at this level is already giving consistently, but they're asking, how can I do more? Is there something I can give up so that someone else can have something? You can see the heart work that goes along with each of these steps. This is the sacrificial giver. When people start cutting things out of their life, doing without something so someone else can have what they need, that is a sacrificial level. And it usually comes after being consistent and faithful. There's one final step um, that is really, really incredible, and that's the generational giver. So the generational giver isn't just saying, how can I sacrifice something or give consistently? A generational giver is someone who wants to maximize their impact through generosity. They might be asking questions like, how can I inspire a community or a generation through what I have? This person is saying, how can I take everything God has given me, my time, money, resources, and use it for the benefit of others? That's a whole other level. This is the level that Jesus gave at. When Jesus says, I love, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He says, I'm going to give my life so they can have life. Gave it all. I believe that this type of generosity, this type of love is what God wants for it. That's, that's the target. But we can find ourselves anywhere along this ladder. And, and I wouldn't stand up here today and be like, if you're here, go here. That's a huge leap. You might tear something. All right? What I would encourage you to do is to take a step. And no matter where you find yourself on the spectrum of generosity, service, love, faith, I mean, you can, we can take all of these examples, that you would take a step forward, a step of faith to take a step towards what God is calling you to do. Honestly, uh, we have this goal that I, I talked about a number of weeks ago. As a church, we're trying to raise the level of our giving to $1.75 million. That's two years. All in, got a little chart up here that I can show you. Um, there it is, right there. So we've got this, this goal, and you can see the, the dark blue on the left is our current giving levels. And that's what we'd expect to see over the next two years. We're trying to raise that by 50%, roughly. That's a significant increase. It, it's a leap, in fact. And, and we're trying to do this so that we can stretch out our arms towards our city, increase our space and programs, all of that. This is a step of faith. How do we do it? We do it by each person in our church being willing to take a step. 
to prayerfully ask God, how can I increase what I'm doing? What are you calling me to do? Now, this goal, 1.75, you go to the next slide, is, it's a big number for sure. You can throw that number back up there. It's, it's somewhere in the mix. There it is. That's a big number, honestly. Who agrees that's a big number? Unless, like, oh yeah, I got that, you know, sitting in the bank. <laughs> Talk to me after the service. Uh, that's, that's a big number, okay? But here's what we believe. We believe leaders should go first. And over the, over the last number of months leading into this, we started having conversations with leaders in our church. People who are leading the way, our board, our elders, uh, some of uh, key donors that are giving at high levels. We said, hey, would you partner with us? Would you go first? Would you take a step of faith with us? Can we stretch together? And uh, through lots of conversation and prayer, we've heard back from about 20 families, okay, out of 150 or more. 20 families we've heard back from, and we already have a verbal commitment of $650,000 from 20 families over the next two years. It's amazing which leaves a measly 1.1 million between, you know, 130 or more families. I, I believe that we can accomplish this goal. Uh, I believe we can, but it, it, it will be a stretch. There's always going to be obstacles for all of us. And honestly, this campaign, this whole process is never intended to make people feel guilty or feel pressured. This ought to be an exercise of faith. It ought to be led by the voice of God speaking to you, which is why we wanted to have these conversations often and allow people to see the information. Uh, I don't think that, that we're going to achieve this by ignoring the facts. We know what the facts are, and we're taking a step. And that's what we want you to do. We want you to take the time to pray, to make a budget, to make a plan, but ultimately to get on your knees and say, God, what would you have me do? What's my part in this? And whatever he leads you to do, that's what you should do. And so um, today we're asking you to take a step. Now I'm talking about money because we're, we're in a campaign and we're talking about this. But this is true of every area of your life. So maybe financially you are just a super generous person, but your faith is way down here. You never pray. You don't, you know, there's all kinds of disciplines that are lacking in your life. So you're here with your faith, but here with your giving. Maybe, maybe God is calling you to take a step in another area. Maybe he wants to grow you. Maybe you are extremely generous and you are faith-filled. You're like a pillar in the church. But your health is down there. So there's all this potential, but it's only going to last a few more months if you don't knock it off. Leave the french fries alone. I mean, you know. I mean, we all know, right? Like, this is, this is how this works. God speaks to us. His spirit leads us. And so we know there's tension in us. And God's saying, I want you to take a step of faith in a direction and so no matter where you find yourself, we can mix these up. Every one of us is going to look different, and we could add relationships and other elements. And God's calling us to stretch. That's how he works. He asks us to stretch to a new level, one that perhaps we've never been at before, and that's where we have to trust him in faith. And so if you're here today, no matter what God is speaking to you, I want to encourage you to take a step. Sure, examine all the facts. I guarantee there'll be obstacles. But here's what we know. We've got the option to step forward in faith, trusting that God is with us, for us, and will help us to get where he is calling us to be. Or we can step back in fear. I know which option is the better of the two. And so I want to pray, and then I've got a couple uh, quick announcements I want to share with you. Would you join me? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this campaign. Lord, talking about stretching is, is uncomfortable because stretching is uncomfortable. And yet, God, for each of us, in whatever area of life we want to talk about, You've called us to stretch, and when we've taken those steps of faith and trusted in you, that is where we grow. 
that is where you move. That is where we must depend on you. And so today, Lord, if there's someone in here who's never taken a step of faith to say, I surrender my life to Jesus, I pray they would take that step, the most important step. But God, for those of us who are following you and want to honor you and want to grow in love and generosity and care, God, would you, would you call us to stretch? And Lord, would we have the faith and the confidence not to get to the end result, but to take a step of faith towards what you're calling us to? That's our prayer today. And as we move forward in this campaign, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A couple of quick announcements. First, I need to tell you about next Sunday. Next Sunday is the final week of our series, and it is our Commitment Sunday. Uh, we've been talking about these little commitment cards. This is the tool that we're going to use uh, to accomplish the goal that we have in front of us. It's a commitment card, and, and we're asking people who call Pathway Church home to prayerfully consider filling one of these out. I'd love to see everyone fill one of these out. Uh, some people may take the biggest step of faith in their giving they've ever taken. Others for you, the biggest stretch would just be to keep doing what you're doing, and maybe you'd be willing to write that down and commit to it. Because intention is easy, but making a commitment is hard. And so we're asking our people to fill these out. Um, next Sunday, there will be one of these on every seat when you come in, and we're hoping that people won't stay away because of the awkwardness of it all. This is going to be a special moment where we pray together, take a step of faith together. If you have family, friends, or guests here next week. That's awesome. They'll have one of these in their hands. No, they don't have to make a financial commitment. They'll be able to write us a little note or a prayer request in the card, but we're all going to move together and hand them in. It's not intended to be awkward. It's, it's the heart work that we're after. And so next Sunday is the final week of this message series, and we're going to do this together. And so I'm excited about this. If you want to grab one of these in advance of next week, grab one on the way out today. They're in the, the lobby. Um, also, Before that happens, that's next Sunday, the night before, Saturday night, is our pre-commitment service. And so some of those leaders that I told you about are going to be coming here on Saturday night at 6 o'clock for a short uh, communion service. And we're going to hand in these cards together. Uh, Some of our volunteers will be here for that as well because they're serving on the stage, on the sound, and they won't be able to participate on Sunday. But if you're here today and maybe God's like, you're a leader in this, you need to go first, you want to come and join us. You are welcome to come and join us. We're going to be here at 6, short service, communion. We're going to prayerfully lead the way, and uh, we welcome anyone who wants to join us. But otherwise, we're going to do this next Sunday. So I encourage you to come and be part. Excited to see what God will do as each of us takes a step of faith towards Him. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.